Well, hey there. Welcome to the Prayer Podcast. I'm your host, Jan L. Burt, your fellow Jesus follower who very much wants to grow in my prayer life and encourage others in their prayer lives too. Here on the Prayer Podcast, we learn what the Bible has to say about prayer, and then we apply it by actually praying. It's my privilege to join you on this prayer journey. Now, let's get to praying. Well, hey there. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. You know, today we're going to have a little bit of a special episode for the Christmas season. I just want to take time to pause, slow down, and speak a blessing over you. We are going to get right back into this series on James after this Christmas episode, and then the next episode is going to be a special New Year episode. And by special, I guess I mean we're getting out of the James series, and we're going to do something else, and then we'll be back into the James series. But I do want to say that uh, the point of this Christmas episode and the New Year's episode is just to speak a blessing over you. It's like my prayer for you, spoken out loud. Uh, But it's based on the Word of God. As always, I truly would be uh, remiss if I deviated from the Word of God and added a lot of my own, um, which would be gobbledygook nonsense. So it's just a blessing for you today, Christmas blessing. I pray, I truly pray that this is a season where you are able to spend some time kind of at the foot of the cross, reflecting on what Jesus's advent into this world, what it ushered in. It led to the cross. It led to our freedom and our forgiveness. The hope of the world was born. And, and hope really does have a name, as the more modern song says. And the name is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who we celebrate at Christmas. So I pray that you and your loved ones are just blessed beyond measure with a true, full, deep understanding of what it means, this birth of Jesus that we celebrate. So recently I was, um, I was watching... Um, someone like give a message, share a message online. And part of the worship, the little tail end of the worship that I caught, the worship leader mentioned that uh, Joy to the World was not written as a Christmas song, as a Christmas carol. And I thought, ooh, that's interesting. Uh, He shared that it was written by Isaac Watts as a poem based on Psalm 98 as kind of a part of a series of poems that Isaac Watts wrote on the Psalms. And so I did a little digging and sure enough, wow, um, this seems to be the truth. Isn't this remarkable? I had no idea. And so the worship leader kind of tied it together with a song about the second coming of Jesus and then rolled it on into joy to the world. And it was really beautiful in, in that, like in that light, in that, in that format, from that perspective, it was really, truly beautiful worship. So I started to dig a little bit because if you know me, especially in real life, you know, I like to research things. I love to read. So I did a little bit of digging, Uh, but I was surprised. I have to be honest, because I have only ever known Joy to the World as a Christmas carol. Okay, so Isaac Watts wrote it in 1719, and the opening line is often misread. If it were a poem, it'd be misread, I guess. Could I say missung? That's not a word, but it's often missung as Joy to the World, the Lord has come, but that's not the wording. And this I did know. I knew this much already because um, I'm a reader and I've read old uh, Christmas um, 
kind of like Christmas hem books. We had this thing we did with our kids in our homeschool. I didn't, won't go too deep into it because they'll have flashbacks and they'll be like, oh, I hated that. They kind of did hate it. It was really, it was a little bit cheesy, but I loved it. So maybe it was more for me than them. Um, so like I knew that the wording is not the Lord has come, but it's actually joy to the world. The Lord is come. It's a present tense verb. I knew that much. And I have wondered at times, like, why do we sing that incorrectly so much of the time? Huh? That's interesting. You know, that verb is, it holds within it the hope of the future. And in 1710, or 1719, I'm sorry, when this was written, when this was penned, Jesus had, of course, already been born as a baby in Bethlehem, Judea. Uh, It is said that Isaac Watts was writing about the future return of the Lord based on Psalm 98, as I just mentioned a few seconds ago. Uh, And Psalm 98 does lean toward the second coming of Jesus. There are some things in there that are absolutely about his return that that cannot be attributed to his birth. So here's my question for myself. And then maybe I guess for you, could it really be that joy to the world is about the coming king rather than the newborn king? It was written as a poem originally, as I mentioned, not as a song, but it was set to music later on by Lowell Mason. And he set it to music around a hundred years after Isaac Watts wrote it. It was released at Christmas time. And of course it became popular as a Christmas song. So there's our connection with how we began singing it as a Christmas song. Uh, I read that it has become the most published Christmas carol in America. That's pretty substantial. I don't doubt it one bit. I'm sure that's factually true. I mean, just think about the people that you know. Do any of them not know the song Joy to the World? Uh, and it works as a Christmas song, clearly, because we sing it year after year at the Christmas season. It does point us to the hope that came at the birth of Jesus. It does. But what else does it point us to? The song as we sing it. It does point us to the hope that came at the birth of Jesus. As I said earlier, hope has a name. name, His name is Jesus. But it's worth applying this hope to the soon return of Jesus, is it not? And I am not exaggerating when I say it is soon. It is soon. There are certainly some things that you could say need to happen before uh, the day of the Lord. As we read about in 2 Thessalonians, the man of lawlessness must appear There could be some study that I will leave up to you if you so choose about what the day of the Lord means and exactly uh, is that, um, you know, his final great judgment is at the time of Jacob's trouble. There are a lot of things you can study. You can read first and second Thessalonians along with Daniel 7 and 9. Uh, this, these things are worth looking into. And I say that because Jesus called us to, in Matthew 24, to know the times and seasons in which we are living. You know, the verse that's often quoted, and dare I say, often misquoted, that um, that people use to kind of brush away and excuse away any focus on Jesus's return is, well, you know, Jesus said, no man knows the hour of the day. That's right. And he said that kind of as an indictment. Pay attention, he was saying pay attention. You, It's not going to be easy peasy lemon squeezy. God isn't going to uh, send like an airplane in the sky to write the letters like you see sometimes or used to see. I haven't seen it in a while, but you know, and it won't say this day. Exactly. This month, this date, this year, at this time, a.m. or p.m. is when Jesus is returning. Right. We don't know that. We don't know the hour of the day. So why did Jesus say that? In this passage, that's all about paying attention 
and watching for his return and knowing when it is upon us. Behold, then your redemption draweth nigh. The Son of Man is right at the door when you see these things happening. These things are happening. You read it for yourself. Luke 21, I think, is another passage. Matthew 24. Jesus said this, no man knows the hour of the day, as an indictment, as a wake-up call. Like, hey, pay attention. You're not going to get it handed to you on a silver platter so that you can get your act together and straighten up and act like my children and my people in the just the, you know, five minutes before I arrive. It ain't working that way, my friends. We need to be paying attention. So please, 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 I implore you, read the context for yourself. Draw your own Holy Spirit-led conclusion. But if you can explain to me why that sentence would be in the midst of kind of at the tail end of that passage on paying attention, why people often from the pulpit use it as an excuse to not pay attention. You don't need to pay attention. You don't know when. Never said I know when. I said I'm reading the signs of the times. I'm doing what Jesus said to do. Any pastor that directs you away from doing what Jesus said to do, that's not right, my friends. That's not right. So I know this is um, getting a little impassioned, but we don't have time to play patty cake with this. I really don't believe that. Look around. If you have to do a little digging to be able to actually look around, how many earthquakes happen on any given day? Do you realize that last week there are there were several earthquakes by several, I mean way more than three, that were beyond 7.0 on the Richter scale? This stuff isn't even making the news anymore. It's happening so often. There are things happening all around the world that line up with what Jesus said would happen before he came. Read through it and see if we're still in the, this is the beginning of birth pangs. Are we beginning to move into stronger and stronger birth pangs as we get closer and closer? You read it. But please don't not read it because you don't want to know. That's not adequate. That's not acceptable. That will not fly when you stand before the Lord. And please don't just think that you're going to be able to say, well, my pastor said I didn't worry about it because nobody knows the hour of the day. Well, he should have told you, you need to know the signs of the times. You better be ready at any moment. Often those two are coupled together. We don't know when, so be ready all the time. And then if you really look at the lives of the people who heard that message and maybe even the lives of the ones who spoke that message, Are they actually really, truly living as if they're ready to meet him at any moment? You know what it does when we have this this attitude of paying attention to the signs of the times when we really are attentive about it? It makes us desire the Lord and his holiness and his glory and his kingdom more and more and more. When we push it out to the far corners of our mind and let it sit over there in the dusty places, and now that's for later, it's a long ways off. Um, By long ways off, a lot of people say, oh, we got 50 years, we got 100 years. Um... Why are you not willing to say there's a lot happening that's being fulfilled right now and we need to be ready and get ready and we need to take it seriously. We need to have a time where we come together and we worship and we pray as a body. Why are we not willing to do the kinds of things that will lead us toward holiness? For shame, for our shame, the American church, the American church would so be getting a letter from Paul. Let's, uh, Let's individually do what we can to be really, truly ready. Oil in our lamps for the imminent return of the king of all kings. Let's do what we can to be ready. So as I read to you Psalm 98 now, may it be a blessing over you as you think about the return of the Lord. May it be something that spurs you on 
to have a desire to know him better and better and to live more and more for him and less and less for yourself or for the things of this world, because all of that is garbage. It's going to burn, my friend. Live for him. Live for him. Be encouraged today. This isn't um, really a, uh, a browbeating kind of a message. It really is meant to be filled with hope. But there's only hope in one place, in one person, the person of Jesus Christ. Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises with the lyre and the sound of the melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. That is what Psalm 98 says. Now I'd like to read as a prayer of blessing for you this Christmas season, the words to the poem and the song, Joy to the World. As we look toward the new year, as we focus on Jesus at Christmas, and as we consider the nearness of his second coming. We are closer now than we ever have been. That is indisputable. Listen as I speak this prayer of blessing over you. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Lord bless you today, my friend. May this Christmas be one where you draw nearer to the Lord than maybe you ever have before. May this Christmas be one where you see miracles happen in your homes and in your families, in the hearts and minds of your loved ones. May this Christmas be a Christmas where you see a new fire kindle up within you and your church home and uh, your small groups, your neighborhood, your workplace, among your children, your extended friends and family, a fire, a hot, burning, bright, newly, freshly kindled fire, just well up and burn inside of you, burning with a passion for the things of the Lord and burning away and burning off the dross and the filth and the garbage that comes from the world, the enemy, and our flesh. That is my prayer for you this Christmas. The King is coming soon to judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. May we live today for that moment, ready for that exact moment when he will return and do exactly as he said he would do. And may this Christmas be one in which we truly say, with a boldness that rings with hope, let every heart 
prepare him room. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. Joy to the world. Truly joy to the world. One day soon, the Lord is come again. Merry Christmas to you, and may the Lord be glorified in your home and mine, in your heart and mine, this Christmas. Bye-bye. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Prayer Podcast. It's a blessing to read what the Bible says about prayer and then to be able to pray with you. Remember to always pray and never give up. See you back here next time.